Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. It's so funny, I listen, I always hear the first few minutes of the service when I'm uploading it. And I'm like, I am so Southern. I sound so Southern. So weird. I'm like, hi, welcome to Revolution. (laughs) I think I'm like really tough, like, hey, welcome to Revolution. But instead I'm like, I've got a sweet Southern voice. Um, This is usually the part where I talk about my kids. I'm sure people will love that. That's what they look forward to, is me complaining about not sleeping. So, let's just say I didn't sleep last night. Let's just leave it at that. Um, We're going through Galatians, and uh, it's been good. It's my favorite book, and we're finishing... Today, on Galatians 6, I'm debating if uh, next week we'll do kind of a best of to kind of just kind of flush it out a little bit, which I like because it's like the, I like to do the, what are those notes called when you read cliff notes? I like to, yeah, I like to do the cliff notes version (laughs) at the end of the, so people can just listen to that. And not worry about, because I'll tell you what, getting through four is kind of tough for me, not going to lie. Chapter four is a little boring. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm in chapter six of Galatians, and uh, we just got through reading about the fruits of the Spirit, and... I like the end of that. I'm going to read that to begin with, um, which is Galatians 5, 26. It says, Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Now, this goes along with what we're about to read, so I figured that would be a good place to start. It says, My friend, if anyone is detected in transgression, you who receive the Spirit should restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourself, yourselves are not tempted. Um, this was one that always sparked something inside me because being a child of a fallen minister, you know, you kind of wonder where restoration is when all that happens. And this is talking about, you know, the importance of restoration. Now, I've always been wondering, like, what is it but take care that yourself are not tempted? There's kind of two ways you can see this. Is one, Paul is dealing with legalism coming back into the church. And people falling back into legalism. So it could be Paul talking about restoring people who've fallen into legalism and being careful not to fall into legalism yourself. Or it could be basically by the grace of God go I, like like saying, you know, 
I could be next, you know, I could, I could be the one who's needs in restoration, you know. Um, and I love it how it says it's in a spirit of gentleness. You know, when we think of people who've messed up and even, you know, when having kids and things like that, how do you, you correct but yet restore? And it says, make sure that you have a spirit of gentleness, being kind and loving. And uh, I think the problem is a lot of times when we talk about restoration, it's kind of like putting someone in a halfway house, you know, and making sure that they know that they've done wrong and reminding them they've done wrong. And, you know, I think anytime we see a big scandal happen, we don't see a spirit of gentleness happening when people mess up and make mistakes. You know, we're very critical. I mean, just go on Facebook, man, or Twitter, see when pastors make mistakes. You know, people seem to relish in failure, especially people who shouldn't fail or they think shouldn't fail. Pastors are held to a higher standard, and then, you know, you go, oh, that hypocrite. Oh, that son of a, you know, look what he did. And we get joy or pleasure out of it. And it could be us, even someone who, you know, or, you know, some somebody whose career you want, someone, you know, that you're jealous of, you know, and being like, oh, I knew it. I knew something had to be <laughs> be going on there. Um, but restoration is a big part of this. And, you know, for Paul, restoration is is hugely important because that's what grace is about, is restoring people and restoring people in gentleness. Um we should learn to live in that life. And I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, we've, we we want to look at new different, different ways of spirituality and different ideas of what God looks like and things like that. But we, you know, do we lose touch with loving our enemies? Have we, do we lose touch with restoring our enemies and restoring people who've, who've, who've fallen? You know, not getting away from those particular things as we go on to new journeys. You know, as we ask tough questions, as we see the church evolving, that we don't undo the good things, that we don't let go of the good things of, you know, loving God with all your heart, neighbor as yourself, restoring those who've been hurt, building those up who've, who've fallen. I mean, those are just vital things to hold on to. You know, and there's things that are just so easy to let go. You know, theology can often get in the way of caring. Theology can often get in the way of, of restoring hope. And I think we have to be guarded that we don't allow that to happen. Um, I know in my own self I have questions and doubts. And among those doubts... You know, even if it's something that I like, well, I don't know how I believe about God right now or how I believe about the Bible right now. Still taking the positive aspects of what I've learned, grace, mercy, and restoration, and holding on to those and, and kind of bringing those forward. Um, goes on to saying, too, 
you can see how this is all connected. You know, it's not biting and devouring one another, but it's restoring each other. It's like, it's not envying one another, but it's being gentle with one another. And here in 2 it says, bear one another's burdens. And in this way you will be fulfilled. You will fulfill the law of Christ. For those who are nothing think they are something, they are deceiving themselves. So it goes back to if you think you're too good to bear another's burden to help them. And this is talking about spiritual burdens, you know, things that we can help each other with. Um, fulfilling the law obviously harks back to loving God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And it's saying we help each other with that. We carry that burden with each other. You know, that's vitally important is that we carry that burden. I know for me, being a pastor is kind of a lonely place, you know. I don't connect with a ton of different ministers. I've got a few friends who I connect with, but, man, it's, it gets lonely, you know, and it gets tough, and, it, you know, and you just you get full of burdens, and you go like, oh, how, you know, how am I going to do this, you know? There's a part of me that often thinks about... Uh, hanging things up just because it is tough because it is one of those things where it's just constant struggle to to carry these type of burdens I'm, I'm grateful for United Seminary because I get to take classes there and I feel like I get I get you know encouraged by that you know um, learning new things and studying that's where I get my energy. And so, you know, think about it. Think about each other, you know. Maybe think about this week. Who is someone that you could help with that burden? You know, who's someone that think, you know, you can help carry something? Four says, all must test their own work then this work rather than their neighbor's work will become a cause for pride. So back again, don't about <laughs> not envying one another or, or competing against each other. It's saying don't compare your work to others. If you're going to compare it to something, compare it to yourself. You know, compare it to your own deeds and compare it to your own works, not comparing it to, like, the other person. Um. Because I'll tell you what, that is a fast way to to burn out. When I start comparing myself to others, you know, and it's ne- you know, I'm never comparing myself to people who are like doing less work than I am. You know, <laughs> I go right straight to the top. You know, like oh, look at Rob Bell. You know, <laughs> comparing myself to the to just uh, a different, completely different level, um, and that steals peace. You know, it's still serenity. It still takes away from the call that I have and uh, when I become concerned with, with others. But instead, allowing my own work become a cause for my own pride. And then it goes on to say, for we must all carry, carry their own load. Now, wait a second. Didn't it just say carry each other's burdens? And now it says carry your own load. Um that has always <laughs> bothered me, but today I was reading in a commentary, 
about how this word translates into like a soldier's pack. So the other things are like the burdens of loving your neighbor, the spirit, fruits of the spirit, and these things. And this one is like a pack of your basic things. Your, your, you know, there's certain things that you have to carry yourself. And um, so it, I guess that makes a little bit more sense. It's still kind of, mm, to me, but we are called to carry certain things, our own loads. And we, there's no way we can't. You know, there's no way we can, even when other people help us carry our burdens, which there's no way that we just completely go, oh, here you go. <laughs> Thanks a lot. See you later. You know, we're still, we've still got to carry our own loads. And, um, and that's how we relate to each other. I mean, like before service started, you know, us dads in the room were talking about what it's like to be a parent, what it's like to be tired and what it's like to try to, fold laundry when your kid wants to jump into the laundry or pull the laundry to the ground. <laughs> what it's like to fold little people clothes. Yeah. One thing I could imagine that would be worse is if I was had to, to, to fold Barbie clothes. <laughs> it's not very far off from that. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to, cl- they're so tiny, they don't want to fold. <laughs> they're like, I want to be free. But, you know, and that's in a way of carrying our own burdens of, of parenthood, but at the same time sharing in that burden and sharing in those funny stories that kind of help you realize that you're not alone. But, man, it is. it can be those different areas in our different lives can be tough. But that's just one example. It goes on to say in 6, those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. I'll say it again. <laughs> no, but uh, this was especially important at that time because you had a lot of traveling ministers going into different areas and different towns and their teachers. And uh, it was important for communities to share what they had. And that's still important, I think. I mean, I, I know that this church would not exist if it wasn't for people who were generous and, and believed in what we were doing, you know. Um, that's the, the, the odd thing about doing ministry full-time is depending on the generosity of others, but it's also quite, a, quite humbling and quite a blessing. Because on to seven says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. And that goes back to stuff like strife, jealousy, uh, back to in part five where it's saying, you know, having factions, envy, quarreling, anger, you know, it goes back to that of, uh, when we when we sow those type of things, we sow discord, we get discord back. But if you sow into the Spirit, which goes back to the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, self-control, generosity. If you sow into the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary of doing what is right, 
for we will reap at a harvest time if we do not give up. That's a hard one, Paul. And, you know, sometimes it's like, what is right? What is the right answer here? So then, whenever we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all. I think that's worth repeating. So then, whenever we have the opportunity, let us work for the good of all. And it goes on to say, especially for those of the family of faith. So, if you have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all. And what does that look like? What does it look like doing? It's, I think it's social justice for people. Um, I think it's having conversations with people who have different belief systems than us and different theologies than us that when we see suffering coming from a theology or from a person it's learning and how we can how can we confront that in a compassionate way in a way that's not bringing you know not maybe not quarreling but in a way that brings patience where we're able to be patient and communicate with others, you know. And how can we work good for this, those and, you know, our brothers and sisters? It's important. I hope we can figure out some ways. Maybe, you know, after service when we have our discussion, we can talk a little bit more about that and what that looks like. Um, and maybe you online can, if you're, you know, listening, go onto Facebook Revolution Church Facebook and leave a comment after the service of what it looks like to let us work for the good of all and especially those of the family of faith. Um, met a guy who does a lot of feeding this weekend at, for the Salvation Army, you know, and helps feed people and says they always need help, you know. The holidays are, are one thing, but every other day of the year is really tough to help feed people. And that's a way we can do things is, you know, volunteering our time and just basically, you know, helping people eat. What did they say? There's those three S's. Soup, soap, and salvation. It's the three S's of the Salvation Army. Soup, soap, and salvation. And always in that order. I thought was pretty powerful. You know, I mean, I have my issues with the Salvation Army in some areas, but I have my issues with all sorts of different groups. But I think when you're putting soup and soap in front of Salvation, that's pretty impressive and pretty right on because you really can't have the other two. If someone's starving to death, you know, or even dirty, I guess. You can't have that. That's one way we can look, work for the good of all. See what large letters I make when I'm writing my own hand. And it's funny to read all the different reasons why people think Paul used large letters and wrote in his own hand. And I'm not going to get into that because it's kind of off the subject, but people really have their opinions on that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. A lot of it, like bad eyesight and stuff like that. Um, 
See what large letters I make when I'm writing my own hand. It's those who want to make good showing of the flesh that, uh, that try to compel you to be circumcised. And it's, I think when we look at circumcision in this, we have to realize that it's also often like, I remember early on in my ministry, I would always worry about certain people in my congregation and they go out and party and have a good time. And I was like, oh, that you know, reflects badly on me. You know, it's weird how you become like self, you know, self-absorbed with people often. Or if people didn't come, oh, that reflects poorly on me. You know, it's a two-way street. Um, but it's saying these people who want you to obey this law, the people who want to control you, only, only that they may be, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And this was true because in Rome, if you were Jewish and circumcised, it was, you know, you were allowed to be not persecuted at the time. It was an acceptable faith. So being circumcised is one way of being identified with a group of people who were not going to be persecuted at the time. I learned that in a commentary too. Um, even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never, Paul says, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, he must have a, he would have a really boring Instagram or Twitter. Just boasting about Jesus all the time. Wonder if he would do humble brags. Yeah. Those are the ones I love the most. They're like, oh, I'm so tired because I just spoke to 15,000 people. It's really exhausting. It's really tough being in England right now preaching the gospel. <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> don't tell me how tough it is. Um, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I in the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has anything, is anything. So good works and bad works really aren't anything. But a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow the rules, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now when it says those who follow the rules, what are the rules? Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Going back to that, bearing one another's burdens. Um, living in the Spirit producing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, carrying others' burdens, encouraging one another, knowing how to give a graceful answer to maybe an ungraceful question. And then it ends with this. For now on, let no one make trouble for me. Because <laughs> this whole letter, this whole, the whole, whole letter of Galatians is a rebuke to these 
group called the Judaizers who were trying to get people to return to, trying to get Gentiles to return to, to the law. And Paul was very troubled by this. For I carry on the marks of Jesus' branded on my body. Um, I once heard someone say that they thought this meant that Paul had stigmata. <laughs> I think it probably meant Paul was beaten up a few times for his belief system. But uh, it's funny what you read out there. May the, gross, may, the gross, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. And I love how Paul ends with grace. It always begins with grace and ends with grace. Um, now, some of Paul's letters don't, but some of Paul's letters aren't Paul. You know, you have reactionary Paul, because Paul seemed to not mind that women were in ministry and seemed to actually encourage it, but then in some of Paul's letters it says women don't do certain things, but most, well, not most scholars, but a lot of scholars agree that those were added later and that people were trying to react to the fact that Paul was so open and inclusive that they had to write in Paul's name to be a little bit more exclusive. A little, you know, they weren't quite comfortable with women being preachers, so they said, I'll write a letter in Paul's name, and then somehow it just got canonized. But, I mean, a very good example of that, of, of a lack of grace in, in some ways, or another thing that Paul wasn't into was hierarchy. And then you go into the pastoral epistles, and it's all about hierarchy of the church. And Paul says, you know, there's no hierarchy <laughs> Everyone is one in Christ. No male, no female, no Jew, no Gentile, no slave, no free. Yet, then you get this book, these books that are all about the hierarchy. And so it's important. That's why we study. You know, that's why we read the Bible. It's, you know, for some of us, why we go to church. You know, for me, it's why I go to take classes at a seminary, you know, to be sharpened, to learn these things. And the great thing is, is learning that it's that I don't have to be shaken by those that there's forgeries or things like that, but that what's left is really good news and really full of grace. And that's kind of amazing to me, you know, when you learn, and especially when you're reading, reading professors and reading things who, who don't have a dog in the fight you know you know they're not there to prove a point they're just there to say this is the facts and grace continues to shine in that and that makes me really really happy really content and helps my faith which like I said right now is, is a bit of a struggle but may grace be with us all Amen. Before we uh, finish up, just especially for you folks online, um, on here too, but if you want to support our work and you like what Revolution does, you can support by going to um, revolutionchurch.com and uh, donating there. It is a Tumblr site for now. We're currently working on a website 
so we'll see what happens with that. Um, or you can go to the Facebook and push the donation button on our Facebook, which it took us forever to figure out how to get a donation bu- pay- button on Facebook. So. <laughs> <laughs> so just use that for shits and giggles. Um, yeah, but we uh, we depend on on your on your gifts and donations in order to to go on. It's tax deductible, and yeah, that's kind of how the church system works. I'd prefer it work another way. I'd rather have sponsors so I could just sit up here and wear like STP and <laughs> Valvoline and whatever you know, <laughs> Monster Energy Drink <laughs> patches. On my Bible, stickers on my Bible. <laughs> yeah, Doritos and Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, I have commercials. You know, speaking of... <laughs> yeah, speaking of feeling overwhelmed. When I'm overwhelmed, I like to take... Yeah, so there you go. But... As always, thanks for listening, and uh, this is Revolution.